You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 186. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You are listening to The Local Maximum. Today, we're joined by Aaron once again and remote this time. How are you doing, Aaron? Uh, good to be here, even if, uh, if only virtually. Well, you know, we're, we're going back to old school, and I'd like to say it's because the, um, you know, the, the studio is being re- totally remodeled. We're, we're ripping it down. <laughs> let's we're, let's we're go getting, with that. Yeah, we're getting new furniture in, and, um, you know, basically, uh, that's what we're doing. Oh, let me switch it to my headphones, uh, just, just so that, uh, just so that we, we don't get an echo for you here. All right, so... Uh, what are we doing today? August, I wanted a news update for August, one or two news updates for August, and wow, it's been such a slow news month, so there's really not much to talk about, uh, but uh, I think we've got to scrape down at the bottom of the barrel and talk about a few things. Uh, <laughs> I've got, uh, it looks like the stories that we have today, um, well, you know, they're all technology-related as usual, but today we're going to talk about some international issues, uh, which I always enjoy talking about. I always like to find out what's going on in the rest of the world because it kind of um, it kind of gives us a sense of you know is something that we're experienced local or you know what what technology that we're using particularly when it comes to the financial system uh, you know ch- changes uh, Bitcoin in particular what's going happen what's happening lo- globally is very important because I remember in the early days of Bitcoin when people would say you know oh I don't see any development going on and I'm like well wait a minute. Uh, this is permissionless. Uh, the whole point is permissionless innovation anywhere in the world. How do you know there's nothing going on? That, that, that's what's so special about stuff like this. It's also true of the internet in general. Um, so we are going to talk about Bitcoin in Cuba. We're going to talk about you know, only fans in the UK, but uh, let's uh, let's get started with this. Let's get started with Afghanistan with a non-crypto related story. Um, and yeah, very very low key uh, human interest story. Uh, nothing nothing controversial about this one at all. No, I don't. I don't want to. I feel like there's too many takes on Afghanistan. Not that I have no opinion, but it's like I I I don't feel like I have anything to add. But this is a, this is a pretty interesting story that I covered. I remembered back in 2004 when I was on Yale Radio when it was like, okay, there are two Jews left in Afghanistan and, you know, they hate each other. And I just thought that was the most ridiculous story. And it turns out now the story is uh, there's one Jewish guy left in Afghanistan. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about like you know coalition forces or people there uh, part of the part of nation building but, or whatever. But actual Af, Af, he, a, a person who is an Afghan, a, a person who is an Afghan, right? Uh, so this guy's so um, so the main headline is he said he okay the Taliban's coming back to power. I'd like to get out. They try to pack him up. They say okay, it's time to go, and he changes his mind. No, no, no. You know what? I'm going to stay uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, and so <laughs> that's that raises some eyebrows for me. Uh, so again, I remember this story from 2004. Um, it was the, the, the name of the guy is Zebulin Simentov, and the guy he was with, who was older than him, was Yitzhak Levy, and they were basically feuding over the control of the last synagogue in Afghanistan. And you know, people laugh at this because they say it's a very Jewish story. But after uh, looking at the um, 
news over the last 20 years. I also suspect it's a very Afghan story as well. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious, but a little afraid to ask if we know what, what exactly, it, what, what was the, uh, the schism between the two of them that was causing this feud or, so, or was it just, they, they, they had to have something to argue about. Yeah. It was very hard to understand from, from what I've seen. It's like, I don't understand half the feuds that are going on in Afghanistan. And also like, you know, they're Afghans. They're talking. They're being translated. They're talking in Dari, which is the language over there. Uh, so, um, I, I so. But but from what I understand, there's a dispute over ownership of the synagogue, and like one one of them thinks the other one is interfering in his business and turning away customers and stuff like that. So, uh, this was followed up in the New York Post. Uh, this oh and and by the way so just some interesting tidbit on Afghanistan this guy was born in the 1950s he's like in his 60s he lives in Afghanistan he was born in the kingdom of Afghanistan that used to be a thing uh, in a town called uh, Herat uh, now now he's in Kabul um, so you know back when there were was a Jewish community in 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 Afghanistan I think that was the town it was in I think it's the town or a city near um, near Iran. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> since then, I was like, well, how many governments has he lived under? I've counted, okay, he was born into the kingdom of Afghanistan. Then it was turned into, overthrown, turned into the Republic of Afghanistan. Then the Socialist Democratic Republic of Afghanistan. Then the Soviet invasion to make sure it stayed a Socialist Republic or, or something like that. Then the Soviet retreat and the civil war between the Taliban and the Northern Alliance, followed by the American occupation, followed by the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan, which is the government, um, you know, we've been trying to prop up, and now the the Taliban again. So that's... Uh, Taliban 2, Electric Boogaloo. That's uh, <laughs> that's the sequel. Yes, yeah, so that's uh, that's quite a few. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I've heard the... the, uh, the factoid floating around that that there are many adults in Afghanistan who for for whom this will be their sixth government to live under um yeah. and and I, I guess it depends on how exactly how you, we, you slice that but right. but he he definitely meets that uh, that threshold sure sure yeah and, and I, I I can see why he might not want to leave it, it's it seems very similar to um you, you hear about Whenever there's a big hurricane, um, like for for Katrina um, or 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 something on that magnitude, there there are always people who say, you know, well, I lived through the last big one. I'm not I'm not leaving now. You know, if yeah, if, if it's my time, it's my time. But I'm not going to run from it. And, and right. I, I I can imagine there's a little bit of that going on here. Yeah, but I also saw in in some of the interviews he did, he was like, yeah, yeah, the Taliban's pretty brutal. They're beating people with chains there. So it's not like he. Um, is like ah, Taliban's not so bad, you know. He's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I, he seems a little bit nuts uh, in a few. But I, I don't want to call everybody. <laughs> I mean, it seems like everybody in that whole country is nuts. So I don't want to, you know, go there necessarily. It's it's a very different culture, um, you know. And even though you know, he's Jewish, I don't want to pretend to like know that I understand his thought process here. But um, anyway, the, the last uh, paragraph of the New York Post is, uh, is, is a doozy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this paragraph. You ready for it? All right. Hit Sim- me with it. Simintov became the country's last Jew after the death of Yitzhak Levy. Uh, and actually, Yitzhak Levy had a more like Afghan-sounding name, but 
anyway, uh, in 2005. Uh, though they both lived in the same rundown synagogue, their hatred for one another was the stuff of legend. For years, the two men spoke mostly to each other in swears and regularly denounced the other to Taliban authorities. Once during a mutual stint in jail, their arguing was so annoying that their Islamic captors simply released them. Now, I have so many questions. Um, first of all, um, you know, I hear some very serious stories about the, the Taliban these days. I don't know what's true, but I heard, you know, they're executing people for downloading Christian Bibles on their phones. Um, they ripped up Zebulun's Torah, like they literally took the Torah, ripped it up. Um, so, like, why aren't these guys afraid to be executed? Or why weren't they executed is, is kind of my question. Like, what's, what's the situation there? I, I, I can only speculate, but... Uh, maybe it's like yeah, there's, there's the a Taliban. certain old man vibe that yeah. you know at a certain point you don't care and and uh, people people fear and respect that. <laughs> I guess at a certain they, point they're like we're not going to maybe they 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 don't execute everyone. It's just something that happens sometimes. Is uh, is my guess? But it's, well, I, I I can definitely see some some middle management Taliban uh, bureaucrat uh, being saddled with these guys. And and his reaction just being, seriously, really, I have to deal with this. I, I'm I'm trying to enforce you know Islamic law over over you know whether it's a neighborhood or a city or a country, and I have to deal with these these two bickering old men. Just <laughs> two bickering old. Make it somebody else's problem. I I feel like there should be a um, like a sitcom, uh, you know, Zebulun and, Z- and Yitzhak. Uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it would be very politically incorrect. Uh, I know that. But I, I, I was about to say, well, maybe it'd be too soon. But I, I believe there, there currently is a sitcom uh, about a. Uh, I don't know if it's an Afghan interpreter. And it also it's, makes it's, light uh, of some very serious crap that's going down there, which I. Yeah. Well, you know. which, which on the one hand can be uh, insensitive uh, and and politically incorrect, but on the other hand. Sometimes that's the best way to deal with these difficult issues. Is, yeah, is the the only way you can start the conversation is by by making a little bit light of it, and and that can open a door to uh, deeper discussion and, and and broader awareness. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I I just wanted to bring this up because this this was this is just um, a crazy story, and it's amazing that it's um, it's one person that we're talking about because. It's just like he's just like well I'm I'm just I'm just not leaving I'm gonna I'm just gonna yeah. stay well and it it, it's, and, it certainly seems like there's a uh, an expiration date on it because uh, e- even if he lives out his his natural life there uh, there there is not a a Jewish community uh, in in Kabul or or perhaps in Afghanistan as a whole uh, to yeah. to live on after him yeah yeah I, or not openly I mean um, yeah. I mean it it won't know. be the first country to have. Uh, completely uh you know either actively eliminated or have run out the clock on its uh on its jewish minority yeah I, I, and there used to be i think i read 40,000 a community of 40,000 jews there uh in 19 back during the kingdom days no i think before like 1940 i think um okay. it was 
I, I, I am afraid to get this wrong, but I believe it was one of the uh, Nazi-influenced governments during World War II. It doesn't mean the Holocaust was happening there, but it was just not very friendly um, uh, during those years. And then especially... Yeah, I certainly uh, don't know much about in the uh, creation of, what was going on in that part of the world during yeah. that particular period. Yeah, well, different uh, countries in the Middle East had, had very different situations going on. Um, and don't necessarily match up with what's going on today, which is, you know, because they've all been through so many governments um, that it's it's at times hard to keep track. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, so it's it's the what's fascinating is like if, if this guy gets arrested, if this guy gets killed, if this guy dies, like we're going to hear about it, which is like, you know that. So it'll be in the post, which is I mean, I'm sure <laughs> I, I'm sure they don't read the post over there, but uh, but uh that's um, that's very interesting. I, I guess something to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're following this story now. That, that's it. I've decided. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I think we're ready to move on. Uh, now I want to talk from about... From one potentially oppressive regime to another. To another. Yeah, exactly. We're going to go to Cuba. And this is a really, I thought, very well-researched article in Bitcoin Magazine by Alex Gladstein. It's because it's very comprehensive. It tells us about what's really going on in Cuba with Bitcoin. And he also goes into like a lot of the history of Cuba and its monetary system. So if you're interested in all of that, um, go to localmaxradio.com slash 186 and get the link because um, this is... I assume that Bitcoin Magazine is a a digital-only publication. Well, I don't know if they have a physical version, (laughs) but I think they probably... Certainly digital first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So first of all, what's going on in Cuba? I don't want to give the whole background, but there's some background that we do need. Cuba is having its worst downturn since 1994. And apparently that one in 1994 was uh, sort of an aftershock of the fall of communism and uh, you know the fact that the Soviet Union wasn't around to, um, you know, to, to, to give aid. And there was actually... And, and- a 30- Timeline wise, fall of communism, we date that to what, 91? Or, I guess or so. 89? Yeah. yeah, I always, because the, the fall of the Berlin Wall was 89, but I think the actual fall of the. It took, USSR took a couple years for the rest of the. 91. Yeah. yeah so, uh, well, yeah, I, the fall of the Berlin Wall was not like the USSR still existed. It was just, yeah. Okay, so um, 1994, there was a 35% decline in the economy, which is. Um, you know, the, that's a crazy number if you know how some of these, um, you know, s- some of the gyrations that can occur in uh, an economy like this, in a, in a communist economy or a socialist economy. Um, so the protests were pretty large back then, but last month's protests, um, he says, were actually bigger. It turns out that the protests that happened in Cuba last month were, uh, in at least the measurement they're using, the biggest since the Cuban Revolution, so the biggest ever against uh, the the Cuban government as currently formed. Um, And Bitcoin Magazine cites internet and communications as the reason for this. Uh, You know, like we've covered in a previous episode, I I should, well, I'll find out later, but it's, um, you know, we learned, and I learned when I visited Cuba, that the internet is very tightly controlled there, but they can't control it completely. They have to, uh, they can, you know, they can cut it, but they have to allow some of it to go on because it's necessary for international commerce. That's the only way they can keep, uh, they can keep things going, you know, like, you know, I, I got my 
uh, Airbnb through the internet. Obviously, I didn't call them up. So, uh, uh, how, so need, yeah. How sim- how comparable is their setup to to, for example, the the Great Firewall of China? That obviously China is is very much uh, tied into to the modern internet. Yeah, but, China's high tech economy. They kind of have their own ecosystem. No, uh, Cuba. It's very very difficult to use the internet. You have to basically like you have minutes and you have to like you you have to pay for minutes they tell you who's allowed on who's not allowed on you have to kind of go into the park and use it highly tracked i would say much more um i would say much more closed than china um china has a high tech sector uh in a way that that Mm. cuba just has none so certainly yeah it's it's china china needs the internet a lot more um okay so they they they, they talked to their, they, they talked to a bunch of sources. There are a bunch of interviews. The first one on there is um, this woman, Lucia, who's a 30-year-old uh, medical worker in uh, Matanzas, a city of 150,000. I'm not exactly sure where that is. Actually, let's, uh, let's look that up. Uh, Matanzas, Cuba. Right. All right, I see. Okay, so it's in... It's in the north. It's not very far from Havana. It looks like about an hour, two-hour drive from Havana um, to, the, uh, to the west. Okay, so um, basically her, what she reports to uh, this journalist is she says the food, electrical, toilet, um, very hard to get supplies. Um, the, their toilet paper shortage is... I'm guessing probably a lot worse than our toilet paper shortage back in March 2020 when uh, I I had toilet paper. It was just like everyone everyone who wanted toilet paper could get it, but they're like, ah, oh, but it's the itchy kind, you know. <laughs> but, well, but yeah, think- I'm I'm very curious how how self sufficient Cuba is, g- given how, and and maybe this is my my skewed perception as an American. Maybe maybe the embargo really doesn't mean much of anything other than getting U.S. goods. Yeah, uh, but they can trade how, how with other of, places. Of what but... they need, do they make domestically versus, you know, are, are they much like us dependent on a lot of stuff shipping from China or, or yeah. you know, uh, other, other nations? So they're very uh, dependent on international trade. And I'm going to get into this in a bit because that's what's causing a lot of the problems. They, they can't gotcha. seem to produce things locally like they need. And so they do are reliant on trade. Uh, in terms of the embargo for specific goods... They could trade with every other country besides the U.S., so they're not barred from getting specific goods. But that stuff um, does hurt in terms of, uh, you know, trade between uh, Cubans and their relatives in the U.S. and which right. of big, which is big quite deal a bit. for remittances and that that type of thing. Right, right. Okay, so um, uh, and, and and they also report that uh, supposedly the healthcare system is collapsing. And I almost, I don't know what to say. I could almost say something sarcastic about, well, I, I was told they had the most wonderful healthcare system in the world, but I don't know. I was there. A lot of things were falling apart. I mean, I can't prove that they don't have a great healthcare system, but it's going to take a lot more to convince me than a Michael Moore movie. And I'll look at this data from the UN, which actually yeah, came well, from the and, and I'm very curious what the actual metrics are there, because I've been hearing news reports about how the American healthcare system is on the verge of collapsing because of, of COVID-related COVID. things right. for the last you know 12 to 18 months. And it turns out to be so not, not really as I, true I don't as know if they're, they're 
talking the same type of thing there or or if this is a, a much much deeper issue that they're encountering that that certainly I, I wouldn't imagine COVID has made it better right uh, no 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 but, they say like they like the hospitals are filled up and there's bodies on the street but they also had reports like that about you know New York and then it turned out to be not true really I mean like you know, it, it's other than yeah. uh, well, and, and presumably, uh, the, or, or at least uh, given the wrong impression. unbiased reporting access yeah. to uh, to Cuba is uh, somewhat more fraught than to New York City. Yeah. Okay, so Cuba, things are bad, right? So what's happening with the money in Cuba? Uh, that's a more you know uh, that that that's a more I guess specific thing that's going on right now. The government has a little program going on called Monetary Purification. And if you think that sounds scary, <laughs> oh, wait until you see what's going on. So basically, they had this crisis in 1994. And so since 1994, the government said, okay, our money, we're having some issues with our money, so we're actually going to have two monetary systems. And when I was there in 2000, uh, 2018, uh, which was actually right when I started the podcast, right, between episode zero and episode one, I had to use their dual monetary system. So they had two currencies. They had the CUP and the peso. The peso is their day-to-day currency that the people of Cuba, specifically for the people of Cuba, uh, which by law is pegged to the dollar 24 to 1. I don't know why they're pegging everything to their enemy's currency, which is which is us, but that's what they're doing. And then the CUP... Well, because if they pegged it to the uh, the Venezuelan... Yeah. Uh, 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 Bolivar, then they'd be in big trouble. And th- so the CUP, that's the money that's just for tourists. And that is, um, oh, no, no, sorry. The, 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 I get them confused. The CUP is the peso. The P stands for peso. And the CUC is the money that I got, which is pegged to the dollar one to one. And I feel like that's the one that is actually backed by the dollar uh, to some degree, <laughs> and the tourists get those. So you could go in and like spend those in stores, and so you're as a tourist not really affected by all the shortages. So you could get whatever you want. Whereas the people in Cuba, not whatever you want. There are still things that like you know that uh, that that you know that they don't have in the country. But uh, you know, you're kind of walking around buying stuff that the average Cuban can't buy. And you're so kind of thinking, well, this, that's kind of messed up. This raises a bunch of questions. Yeah. <laughs> so first, first of all, like, are are you shopping in stores that are purely for tourists, or 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 would other would would natives be able to shop there as well? And if so, are prices listed in you know two different currencies, no. or do they just they just do the conversion in their head? Yeah. So those stores are only only. Uh, uh, only CUCs. Tourists only? Yeah, yeah. Um, tourists only or a local if you happen to get your hands in a CUC, like if I went gotcha. into a, a, a non-tourist only store and spent it, um, which is, of and, course, what they're trying to do. And that 24 to 1, that's that's a fixed ratio? Yeah, but that it's not. Float but it, but it, But it, it's not really worth 20. It, it, it's worth a lot right. less. It's it's inflationary, much more. Well, I guess they're both inflationary, technically, but uh, but the but the ones for the people. But because is they can't easily convert yeah. between them, then then it's it's less. It's relevant. like it's like in the last episode we talked about when we had a gold and silver. Uh, well, I, I was going to bring up that, that yeah. this this begs the question of Gresham's law, um, yeah. which I think you talked about in the gold back episode. Right, right. So um, uh, back then we had gold and silver, and it was pegged, which meant that one was more valuable, and you didn't want to spend it. 
Um, but <laughs> the difference is those were two good currencies, whereas in this case, you have one really bad currency and one that's just merely dollar, the dollar bad, US dollar bad, um, and one that's like third world peso bad. So mm. um, let me read some of this. Lucia described the system's output as creating a reality where she could buy a cup of coffee, a bus ride, or even a small meal for an incredibly cheap price in pesos, but a share of shoes, a pair of shoes or a phone plan priced in CUCs could cost an entire month's salary. So that's sort of how, you know, how it is to be a Cuban citizen. You can't get, and, and, and this system is gone, by the way. They recently removed it. That's this monetary purification. I'm just explaining what was there. So, um, gotcha. but so yeah. Wait, so, so, so this, this dual currency system is the monetary purification or this is the precursor to precursor. that? Precursor, precursor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so 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 we'll get to the purification in a minute. So you have the the dual system. Uh, what economic forces are at play here? Sounds like Gresham's law is going on a lot. Where in this case the dollar is the good currency, even though um, uh, our politicians spend trillion dollars like it's nothing. Uh, it's still better apparently nope. than what they have going on down there. Yeah. Is is there also like a a, a black or gray market for for Actual dollars, or because the uh, I can't answer the, that. I don't know. the CUC is is pegged to the dollar one to one, then then it's it's not really different. I assume I assume there is, but I, I don't know. Okay, um, but, so, but you 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 never paid for anything with with actual physical American dollars. No, I, I don't think it was legal, but I, I don't quite remember. So. Let me just read another clip. And then, so in tragic irony, unskilled workers were often far better off financially than highly educated ones. I'm going to read that again. The unskilled workers at, in Cuba, some of them were far better off financially than highly educated ones. Why would that be? Um, so, so many people drop their careers, it says, to clean tables or pick people up from the airport, from the international airport, to get access to the CUC economy. The dual currency system institutionalized inequality, creating clear classes of haves and have-nots. And for many people like Lucia, this is as much as uh, anything else showed that the revolution was a, a sham. Because think about it. Like, <laughs> is this what was promised uh, under communism? This is like the exact opposite. This is... Yeah, well, uh, and, and I guess that makes sense because uh, in a country where you have nationalized health care, who pays the doctors and nurses' salaries? The government. And obviously they're going to be paying that in those, uh, the, the, was it the CUPs, the, the 24 the to one yeah. currency, um, or, or if you work at the university, well, I, I would imagine that all universities in Cuba are state universities. Right. Uh, and so your, your salary comes from the government. Um, yeah. and I, I don't and know how far, salary. how far down that goes, but yeah, unless, unless you're directly interfacing with, with tourism, then, then you're, you're not maybe entirely cut out from the, the CUC, uh, market, but but you're probably a, a degree or two removed from it, and so you, that makes a difference. You only get very light trickle down. Again, it's like <laughs> you want to pay. You want to be picking people up from the airport and getting those tips. Um, so, all right. So what's what's happening now? Uh, so so they took a look at this, the policymakers in Cuba, and apparently decided this isn't working very very well, uh, and so. As of January 1st, 2021, the CUC was officially phased out. This is the monetary purification. So they're basic, Cubans were given six months to exchange your CUCs, those the, the dollars, for pesos at the official exchange rate. 
So uh, you're basically losing a lot of money there. Um, It says Cubans have lost nearly two-thirds of their purchasing power since the end of 2020, as the price of a dollar has gone from the official rate of 24 pesos to costing as much as 70 pesos on the black market. Okay, so they're like, all right, you know what? This dual currency system is not good. We're just going to use one currency. But then they have a problem because they can't do international trade. So they replaced those CUCs with something called MLC credits, which sounds like it's very similar, (laughs) which you get when someone, when you're doing international commerce. Uh, So they basically can't get out of this uh, system because they need hard money for trade. But the MLCs are digital only. So Hmm. they've replaced their CUCs with a a digital version, it sounds like. And that's their, that's their kind of bait, not bait and switch, but almost like their pretend reform where they end up back at the same, in the same place. So, um, and basically all the Cubans who are making their CUCs thinking they were in the money, they're like, yep, yeah, no, we're taking that. So, uh, so yeah, so, so, so that's, that's what's going on now. Now, how do they find out about Bitcoin? It's very tough to use the internet in Cuba. How would they find out? So this is really fascinating. So apparently, uh, what news do you think they would get in Cuba on their TV? What, what kind of news? Uh, well, pro- probably not Fox News or MSNBC. No. no. So <laughs> they're getting uh, propaganda, which, I mean, is the same. <laughs> okay. I'm not saying that the Fox News and MSNBC are not propaganda. It's but a different flavor of propaganda. Yes, yes. They have to get their own state propaganda. And so one of the ones that they allow on, which we can watch too, is uh, RT Russia Today because it's reliable Russian propaganda. But it happens to have an American show on it because it has a a, a show called The Kaiser Report by American Max Kaiser. And they love playing it because it's he's like very critical of U.S. foreign policy. But apparently, well, I mean, I've seen him on on YouTube. Most of the time he's just evangelizing Bitcoin. So it's kind of like a Trojan horse there. So Mm -hmm. he's evangelizing Bitcoin on his show on Russia Today. And uh, people are finding out about it in on and 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 they're joining like these groups on Telegram, which are which is uh, you know, you know, which is uh, uh, apparently a chat app that they can't stop. And people are impressed. They're like, "Wow, no bank, no ID, no permission to trade. This is groundbreaking." And so, how is the state reacting? The state is apparently reacting very slow. They're not like shut it down. They they're still at the point where they don't know what's going on. Currently, the Cuban government is telling people, well, Bitcoin is one of these multi-level marketing scams that you don't want to be involved in. Uh, but that's really it. It takes some educating. I love this. At one point, they um, so, and I'll, I'll get to it. One, one person reported that they interviewed this guy, a TV personality, Eric uh, Cruz. He says Bitcoin is exploding. And he said, the government will incorporate Bitcoin policy in their next five-year plan. So I don't know when the next one ends, but... <laughs> <laughs> if they kind of miss it this time, they got to wait another five years. Um, that is uh, in Bitcoin timeline. That's uh, that's a pretty long time. So he said the alternative yeah. to getting hard money is the mule method where you wire money to someone and then they physically go to Cuba and give you cash. Whereas Bitcoin is instantaneous. And he says 100,000 Cubans are using Bitcoin on a regular basis. 
more per capita than in the U.S. and, and Canada and places like this. And they're using lightning-enabled wallets, like Mon and Blue Wallet, just like El Salvador, so you can transact quickly well, I, with I was going to ask, are, are they mostly using this to get money in and out of the country, or is it actually for uh, you know, exchanges, you know, reg- regular transactions in Cuba? They say both. Between, between I, Cubans. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not like Bitcoin Beach in... Uh, in right. In um, is that El Salvador? In El Salvador, right? But uh, you know, if you're getting this stuff from abroad, uh, why wouldn't you trade it locally as well? And if you're meeting up with people locally who are doing it, why wouldn't you do it as well? So um, apparently, this is in fact happening. Um, and people, you know, you can get these wallets, um, and I mean, it's. Amazing that the government hasn't tried to shut it down, but they have so many other problems that it seems like they can't, and this thing is growing. So I, the plot thickens in Cuba, which, uh, which is really fascinating. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just make the comment that uh, when I, I was looking at our notes here, uh, at, right before you, you got to the part about uh, the government claiming it's a multi-level marketing scam. Yeah. Uh, and and I was I was a little confused because I saw there's there's MLM there's MLC there's CUC oh, yeah. and CU uh, was it uh, CUP cup C, CUP is so so many so many acronyms here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, governments like acronyms. Uh, MLM is not is more multi level marketing. We have it here. Uh, so so the right right what they reported was like you know because times are tough in Cuba. Same thing when times are tough in the U.S. Uh, a lot of people turn to multi level marketing kind of things to uh, make some extra money, uh, which is usually like kind of a pyramid scheme type type thing. And so right. the government is telling people that Bitcoin's a pyramid scheme. People, I was told when Bitcoin first came out here that it's a pyramid scheme, actually. Uh, there are still people who say it, but, um, you know, you have to be educated. Well, yeah, if, if, you, if you don't believe that it has any inherent value, then, then it does kind of seem like a pyramid scheme in that you're... The only way you, that you can increase the, the value of your holdings is to get other suckers to buy into it and pump up the price. Um, but that, that, that's assuming uh, that there's, like I said, no, no inherent value uh, to, to the, the Bitcoin and the blockchain, uh, which I, I think there's, there's some dispute about for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's all I wanted to say about Cuba. But I mean, this changes kind of my impression of what's going on there quite a bit and i don't know what's going on with their government like is it is it stable did they crack down on the protests um what's going on with that uh but it certainly is interesting that um uh that that this kind of uh stuff is taking off uh, and i don't think they're going to stop it um and so it's just another it, it's just they've moved up a level in terms of their use in in bitcoin and this is um this is going to continue so that's all yeah, i have to say i mean about that. cuba has certainly dropped out of the 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 news cycle given everything that's been happening in afghanistan and i think even before that they they were falling down the the priority list there but uh even even when they were uh, a a trending topic so to speak uh, this was not the angle that you were hearing much about. So this is this is fascinating to to dig into a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before Afghanistan, we were talking about Andrew Cuomo. And I feel like <laughs> I, I, I heard the other day, like and, like Governor Cuomo announces X, Y, and Z. And I was like, isn't he gone? And, uh, and they're like, oh, no, he announced a two-week uh, uh, thing. And then it's like, well, how, how has that been less than two weeks? It, it seems almost impossible. Um, but anyway, that's... <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, that's just a comment on the news cycle these days. All right, last life, one. Life can move pretty fast. Yeah, last one. I want to be pretty quick with this. Uh, OnlyFans, which is a site where you can pay to see content from someone. I guess, I guess locals where we're at, you could pay content, but this is a different kind of content. It's usually pornographic content. This is a UK-based company. Um, uh, so apparently they are... They've got a lot of porn on it, and they say, uh, we're changing our policy. No porn per se, only nudes. So this is, uh, 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 and, and more interesting, uh, I'm not reporting this as kind of like, uh, you know, just for fun. Uh, this is, the, the reason why they're doing this is because they're, they're talking about the financial system, specifically uh, in the UK, where they said it's because of, the uh, the payment processors. They say they're getting a lot of pressure from banking partners and payment providers, and that they're trying to raise money from the outside investors. They're they're, they're valued at over a billion dollars, which is quite a bit, and they uh, are having trouble raising money because of this problem, where they feel like uh, they could be shut out of the banking system at any moment. So. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, this article, where is this article that I'm like, oh, Bloomberg, I use the Bloomberg article. There was an article from CNN or whatever, but I, I feel like Bloomberg is usually pretty good with stuff like this. Um, so, you know, they also wrote as a product strategy that they're going to try to position itself more as a forum for musicians, fitness instructors, and chefs. But I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to shift that far. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, so so... Certainly, you can make the argument that that they were not exclusively a uh, uh, a site providing uh, sexual content, uh, right. but that that was uh, by far the majority of their content, from from my understanding. Much much like you can find things on Pornhub that are not porn, um, you can find all sorts of of educational and structural con- and content on there. Uh, but it is uh, by 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 volume uh, uh, a a tiny portion of what's on there. Um, uh, I, I, you can make a similar argument about the Pirate Bay uh, that, well, you know, some of it is the uh, distribution of legitimate, you know, torrents like Linux distributions and stuff uh, and, you know, large data set files. Uh, but most of it is stuff being sold in violation of, of DRM and copyright. Yeah. So, so. It, it sounds like OnlyFans is is trying to go legit, so to speak, uh, in or like they're they're. Uh, you know, their board or whatever, their their leadership decided, okay, we're going to play with the banking system and go in this direction. Um, yeah, well, and but, it sounds like this may be a, a necessary prerequisite for them to to going public. They want to take that valuation and, and sure. cash in on it. Sure, but, you know, this is where the new economy comes in, and this is where you can compare what's happening to, uh, you know, people uh, like, like sex workers on OnlyFans to people in Cuba where basically they're going to turn to the crypto economy and we have to face the fact that with the emergence of the crypto economy this will be a non-issue and it's almost guaranteed that companies will fill the void and be like well we don't have to worry about the banking system anymore we'll just accept crypto so um having the rise of the crypto economy like it or not it will mean the proliferation of sex work online uh, uh but it also means increased financial freedom because uh, these so-called banking partners are acting as gatekeepers for unimproved groups. And I want to go back to episode 28 when we talked about 
uh, Alex Jones being removed from all social media at once. He was removed from Twitter and um, Facebook and YouTube all at the same time. And people are like, well, yeah, like with, he's, within 48 hours. Or right. Something. And people, yeah. people are like, well, you know, he's so nuts. You know, why should I care? But, you know, we know what happens. They didn't stop at Alex Jones. And they just went, they just got nuttier and nuttier. In 2018, it seemed like, well, you know, maybe yeah. well, it's not and, that bad. And, and as a corollary to and that, it happened they fast. didn't silence Alex Jones. No, Alex yeah. Jones still has, ha, you know, has, has a platform. Right. Um, he, they he they goes, just shoved him into a, a quote-unquote darker corner of the internet. Yeah, he still goes on Joe um, Rogan's and, show. And, and that's absolutely what's going to happen with with uh, at least a portion of, of these folks who are engaging in sex work is uh, they will be forced to uh, find another way to, to go about this. Uh, and uh, it very well may be a less safe way for them to do that. Well, so. that's one of the things that, that, that OnlyFans, like, like people said about OnlyFans, like it's a, it's a safe um, alternative to... Yeah, I, I, I hate I hate to use this this uh, this meme structure, but but in a way they were the Uber of sex work that hmm. that they allowed you know kind of an, an independent contractor approach that that was much more uh, flexible and and better served the people actually doing the work. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, and and I, I I think there's I, I don't want to get too deep into this this angle of it, but uh, there's there's a a bit of a, a religious or cultural crusade aspect to this that people are are claiming oh we're doing this to prevent uh sex trafficking and and uh you know ch- and child abuse and that type of thing um which which is uh if if at all a a tiny 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 minority of the 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 impact that's going to happen here um and and i think the most people making that claim you know it's it's like, like in most classic think of the children arguments, uh, it's a fig leaf for doing something that they want to do uh, just so that they can convince other people to say, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Right. I think the main point that that I wanted to make here is that, you know, the, the social media bans did not stop with Alex Jones. It, then they went on to journalists, dissidents, presidents. Um, Taliban's OK, but, you know, the, the, uh, a whole bunch of people got shadow banned. Uh, you know, just for, uh, you know, uh, like the New York Post, <laughs> whatever. And that only happened in like a few years. Um, and so these financial these financial uh, gatekeepers are not going to stop at OnlyFans. I think we're going to start seeing massive uh, financial censorship uh, as well as social media censorship. And, you know, the crypto economy is stepping up just in time for that. So this will speed it up. Uh, you know, there is a, you know, the, there's there's kind of a, a say, what is it saying? Like, like a, a porn is always an early adopter. Uh, that's uh, yeah, they, they tend to be on the bleeding edge of technology. See, uh, see VHS uh, and virtual reality. And I'm, I'm sure, well, yeah, and the Internet in general. Uh, gotcha. OK, yeah. yeah so they're, they're, they're willing the... to take take risks on that 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 front. Sure. Yeah. So all this is 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 sign of the times. Um, everything we talked about is, uh, you know, chess pieces moving into place. I feel like uh, I feel like some big changes are coming and uh, and uh, it's uh, it, it's I'm, I'm excited to uh, to to keep uh, to keep up with the unfolding 
crypto economy story here on the local maximum. Yeah, I, I, so, I think all of these issues. Uh, they're, they're, I'm I'm going to be very curious to see how they get get how how they solve or, or route around these uh, these restrictions. Um, I, I suspect that crypto and uh, and blockchain and distributed uh, distributed data is going to be a big part of that, uh, with the exception of of uh, Zebulon. Uh, Simontov. I, I, I don't think crypto yeah. is going to dramatically change uh, his his outlook, but, uh, but you never know. Poor Zebulon. He has no one to trade with. Um, <laughs> although, I don't know. Maybe, you know what? Well, I, we uh, haven't heard could... anything about what the Taliban's uh, view on, on crypto is. I wouldn't be surprised if they crack down on it, but uh, I, I don't I wouldn't think I wouldn't be surprised if they're using it also. Well, I mean, I, they're the probably... two are not mutually exclusive. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, they're probably facing international sanctions. So I would expect that, uh, well, you know, they'd have to be pretty sophisticated, although uh, their media presence seemed to be pretty sophisticated. So maybe uh, maybe they, they are using it. I don't think, okay, I'm going to make a prediction about Afghanistan. I don't think the Taliban are going to run the country um, as the Taliban as we know it for that long, um, just because of you know, the past in that country has been very unstable. Uh, so, although, you know, you never know. They could be, this could be like a new Cuban revolution where they have a totalitarian government come to power and it can stay for a while, but I suspect not. Um, I, I, I think you're right that, that it's going to be a, a different style of leadership management uh, governing than, than, you know, than they were 20 years ago, uh, pre, pre-2001. pre but but I, I I'm struggling to see how you could pres- explicitly operationalize that prediction. You know what's what are the metrics right. there? Well, another thing to keep in mind. I mean, look, this could end in the next few months. Who knows? But the the Afghan civil civil war is not over. Like there are still fighting groups being like, you know, <laughs> we will fight the Taliban to the end of the earth. So. Uh, t- I don't know what's going to happen. Well, yeah, but, but much, uh, much in the same way that really at no point in the 20 years that um, that American forces, the coalition forces were there was the war over. There was still always low key conflict going on. Yeah, uh, I expect that that's going to persist for for at least a significant period, if not indefinitely. Yeah. So, again, Afghanistan, too complicated. I don't want to give I, I mean, I could give my bad take and um it could be thrown in the pile of everybody else's bad take and maybe not look any worse, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's all I could ask, but all right. So, uh, very interesting update from around the world. Very, uh, very cool episode. Uh, uh thanks for joining me today, Aaron. Any last thoughts? And, uh, uh I think we already gave our last thoughts. It's been fun as always. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's making me want to, uh, want to take a trip to Cuba, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, it it was worth it. It was worth it. We should plan a trip together uh, when when we can. Uh, maybe maybe, uh, maybe a, a future uh, local maximum tech retreat uh, to be held in Havana. Imagine if we record. We could rec- we could bring this uh, Zoom. To, can we bring the Zoom device in the country and record an episode from Cuba? I mean, like I don't. They weren't checking my bags on the way in, so. I, I would imagine that recording equipment would not be uh, that controversial, but but then again, maybe it gets you flagged as uh, as a journalist and you get extra scrutiny. I don't know. This, yeah, this is way ask. outside my uh, my realm of expertise. Yeah. Well, all right. But, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll try. I mean, the yeah, worst thing f- that happens future is future goals con- uh, confiscated. Oh, all right. Great. Uh, thanks again, Aaron, for coming on. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. 
To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at Maximum.Locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power. 